Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, Zinger Nation and traders on out there. Are you guys ready to get started right here on the best morning show? Pre-market prep. I'm excited for today. We got another great show for you guys. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the market right now earnings on oracle we'll touch a little bit about disney spirit american airlines camping world ratings pfizer rivian twitter chinese stocks we'll talk a little bit about that and of course we'll get into our guest miss schneider managing director of market gauge so stick around guys we got another great show for you guys and like always Hit the thumbs on up, the subscribe button below, and let us know about a catalyst or a stock that's moving that you guys want to check on out. Throw it up in the chat, and let's go ahead. Let's get it started. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's get it started and bring on Joe Alconan. What's going on, Joe? And let's see those charts, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, we just had the eight o'clock pop um, out of the blue. I mean, I went to warm up my coffee. We were just about to go red, and then boom, the machine came out at eight o'clock. And get bye 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 bye. And uh, we just got a pop as we were drifting back to unchanged. So we're just going to keep an eye on that close, that all important close, fifty three fifty yesterday's low, thirty five and a quarter. Why we got up to thirty eight oh seven fifty overnight? Well. I don't know. That was, uh, I wish I would have woken up in the middle of the night and put an offer out there. But uh, there we are, up 15 and a half handles. Uh, crude steady above 120, up 45 cents, 121.38. Uh, gold continues to deteriorate, down 11.30, 18.20.60. Silver, that's clinging to 21. That's down 19 cents at 21.065. Uh, Bitcoin, that's down at G, a G55, 22.060. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is it's uh, $1,300 off its low of 27.75. And Ethereum futures, the leader on the downside. Those NFTs just must be stacking up on the shelves, down $46 at 11.7850. in bringing Triple D. Triple Stop. D, you could not have as exciting 8 o'clock today as you did yesterday. No, I was ready to start the show. I'm all, you know, hedged up, looking good. I like to get all hedged up before I start the show at 8 a.m. So obviously I can focus on talking and not focus on trading. And right at 8 a.m. yesterday, I don't know if you have the pro up there, you know, if you can bring up the headline if you wanted to show it, uh, Mitch on Benzinga. Yeah. Right at 8 a.m., it gets announced on the pro there, PLD acquiring DRE. 
And it just so happens, Duke Realty, that I happen to be short DRE right at that exact time at 8 a.m. Um, I happen to be, well, I happen to be short of coming in. So um, that was an overnight trade. So I'm like, ah, oh, it sucks when you were short of stock and it gets taken over. So I'm like scrambling, literally diving in there to hit because it's $26 billion. Okay, well, what's the number? What's the number? So then I see all stock. Okay, well, that's good news, all stock always, because they usually bring the acquirer down. But I'm like, what's the number? So then I go grab a 0.475. So I'm doing my calculation fast. I'm like, okay, it's like 54 and a half bucks. It was already trading at 53 and a half. And I'm like, trying to analyze what am I going to do here? You know, it's not a huge takeover premium. It is a REIT, but it still sucks. Um, so I'm trying to analyze, you know, and this is why I didn't come on the show, because I'm literally analyzing, am I covering this up at 53 and a half or not? The takeout price is worth 54 and a half. I'm like, well, wait. I'm like thinking we're in this bear market. I'm like, they'll knock PLD probably down for this. And then they do start knocking PLD down. And I decided not to cover it. So I come on the show at like 810, just leave it on um, for the simple reasons that we're in a bear market. And I was like, I think they'll knock PLD down a bit. I don't think this is going to open up at 53 and a half. I'm like, maybe 52. Anyway, so I, I covered a little bit in the, after the show was um, around 51. But then I left part of it on. The thing opened down at $49.40, and I got the rest covered at $49.40. So it's a, you know you're in a bear market when you are short a stock that gets taken over, and it opens down and you make money on it, at least on the back half of the trade. I mean, that is just unbelievable. You know, Good luck for to a certain extent, but just shows you how crappy this market is. Your long, your, your, you know, your shortest stock gets taken over. You should lose. And you actually make money on the back half of it, which is unbelievable. So, I mean, just wanted to sit, share that story because probably curious why I wasn't on the show yesterday morning. I was doing some quick CFA analysis on that <laughs> to decide whether I was going to cover it or not. And it was a good call by me to think that they were going to knock PLD down. If you show the chart of PLD, Joel, this yep. is exactly what they did. They sucked the premium out of the PLD so that the risk arbs then aren't going to really pay much for DRE. Yeah, you can see the PLD chart the yesterday inside. getting hit on the acquisition so sometimes you know doing a little bit of a quick analysis can save you some money so sorry i was wasn't with you for the first 10 minutes but i'm with you today i, I want to share that story i wondered because you you know it was um <laughs> you know I, I i was i looked when you did come on i was like i looked for headlines you're like what is this? and i'm like and i and I don't even know if I saw the the Duke is Duke uh, uh reality but uh but you know what just to, to emphasize your point like Probably ninety nine percent of the time, you're you're covering that trade, right? You're no paper you're, hands. Usually yeah. quick. I'm trying to be quick to try to get like the like the or the the algos. Obviously, HFT bots are really quick. But then I'm trying to be one of the quick humans. So you're trying to think. Well, it's fifty four and a half. Do I lift the fifty three? It was a fifty three offer, and I'm like, do I lift the fifty three buck and a half save? But then you start analyzing time value of money, all stock, bring down PLD. I was like, no. I'm like, I'm not going to lift it. So, like I said, I think I covered some of it in the fifty low fifty ones, and then, but I got the whole back half of the trade covered at forty nine forty, and actually made I think I don't know where it closed, but I made like sixty or seventy cents on the back or sixty cents on the back half of that, which is unbelievable. So tough market. It's a tough. And just market, the other thing, but not too, for the I shorts. Yeah, yeah. They, just the other thing too to add to that is that you you didn't add on to it, like you didn't 
like make the problem worse, right? You you could have, and that would have you know made it better. But instead, you just like you just the time that you took to analyze it, uh, it came down. So all right, so we're off. So we're off to a boring start today. I guess yeah. we're all sitting on pins and needles for the PPI number. I don't think the PPI number moved the market as much as the CPI number uh, at eight thirty. Coming out at eight thirty. Yeah, it comes out at eight thirty. Yeah, that's I mean, something that would definitely be on watch. Um, I mean, it's going to be it's 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 always a number that is watched after the CPI. Some people are relating it closer to what the Fed will keep watch on the numbers. We know that the Fed is more reactionary to what shows up in the data, and so that's why uh, a lot of people are trying to see if there's some relief at least in PPI uh, versus another hot number coming in. Um, that's going to be released at 8.30. Analysts expect prices to pay to jump 0.8 from April and 10.9 over the 12 months since last year's May. Um, definitely going to be on watch. And just to kind of talk about what's being talked right now, and then we can do a little bit deeper talk on this, yeah. is that the CME's group FedWatch traders are now seeing more than 90% chance of a 75 basis point rate hike this week at the Fed meetings watch tool. So, hey, what do you guys think? This was broken by the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Steve Leisman confirming it on CNBC that the 75 basis points is indeed being discussed, is indeed off on the table. Because we know Powell said, you know, a week and a half ago that they weren't even thinking about 75. But after the data that they got, that it is firmly being discussed. So it does look like they may indeed go 75 basis points. I mean, these rate hikes are killing the market, man. The Tina trade, making capital obviously harder, more expensive. I mean, this is what the Fed is doing on purpose, though. It's such a different market. I mean, we were in this bull raging market the whole time. And every time the market would pull back, the Fed would defend this market. And we talk about the Fed put. I mean, it's not. It's the opposite now. Now you're fighting the Fed. Never fight the Fed. If you're long stocks, you are fighting the Fed right now. I'm going to say it again. There's Ned no Davis. reason to get super uber bullish until we start seeing inflation come in. Give us a data point where the inflation is not looking so hot, and that's the time where you start buying stocks. You want to nibble? Sure. You want to go all in on this market just because it's down 20% from the highs? You are still massively fighting the Fed because inflation hasn't even had a lick of a tick down yet. So don't fight the Fed, man. Yeah, that uh, I will shout out to uh, Ned Davis. Uh, Ned Davis, uh, you guys don't know who that is. Uh, he puts out. Uh, he's a, you know technical analyst. That he's been around guys for wanna... a long time. I've yeah. heard that name. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I got you guys. So one of his three his three rules, right? It's don't fight the tape. The trend is your friend. Go with Momo. Don't Good fight role. the Fed. The Fed policy influence interest rates and liquidity and money moves the markets and beware of crowds at extremes. So I just wanted to kind of mention those three rules. Uh, I think it's important to keep those in mind. And you're 100 percent right, Dennis. Don't fight the Fed and don't fight the tape, guys. And, and it's looking like everything's pointing to the downside. And every guys. time you're buying the dip using your 2020 playbook here, you're fighting the Fed. And you're being punished for it. And, you know, I've done it too. I mean, you think, okay, well, it's overdone. Let's pick up some stocks. And they rally for a day or two, and then they just turn around and roll over again. And, I mean, this last one caught a lot of people um, because it was vicious and it was fast. But, again, we knew that, uh, that that CPI data, we laid it out for you guys basically two weeks in advance. But we laid it out. If the number was hot, 
it was gonna get ugly and that is exactly what has occurred and it's been three straight days of punishing sell-offs because the market is like crap you know you just went from a 50 basis point hike to a 75 basis point hike this is the root of the problem higher interest rates but the root root of the problem is inflation you have to get the higher interest rates to beat the inflation so fed has to do it fed is literally going to bring us into a recession to stop inflation but i think they have to do it and uh, the interesting thing, too, is that uh, the market sensed it pretty well because we actually broke down on the day before. It did. Actually, yeah, it did. The yeah. market. Well, the market. Yep. Was the, the, the European numbers, right, giving us a little bit of a warning flag uh, early. I think they gave us the, they gave us the heads up like, hey, inflation isn't, isn't slowing over here in Europe. And I think traders started getting ahead of it. Anyways, let's bring it back into the market. So I want to talk earnings. Bitcoin just for a second before oh, we get Bitcoin. to Oracle. Bitcoin. Is there anything <laughs> left in the Bitcoin? It's ugly, man. And I um, mean. Yeah, shut down your Twitter feed. Go ahead. Just throwing your, all your eggs <laughs> in one basket like the MSTR CEO. You know, T was talking. I watched a video of somebody, a market uh, friend of mine on Twitter there. Thanks for sending me the video. Just showing me, you know, that he had this uh, interview. And he's, you know, recommending to people or was recommending to people to not only put all of their money into Bitcoin, but to leverage their assets to buy more Bitcoin. I mean, this is the MSTR CEO um, that, you know, is, you know, just all in. And we know they're levered into Bitcoin. We know at 21,000, they're going to get some margin calls. They're going to have to put up more capital. I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, it's one thing to believe and to put a good portion of your money into something. It's another thing to lever up and to go all in. I mean, I guess that's the way you get rich. I mean, as you go all in on something. Rich or poor. One of those. Rich or poor. There's no in between. And you go all in, you're going to be rich or you're going to be poor. I've always played the diversified approach, you know, where you diversify and you play it that way. But I mean, you look here, and the argument that they give is the scarcity argument. I hear this on my Twitter feed. I had to mute Bitcoin. But it's literally the the argument for the last five years or three years we've just been hearing Bitcoin. Scarce. There's only 21 million. Everybody's going to need some. There's only 21 million. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it again. I've given this argument, but not probably in over a year. Is an item, is an asset really scarce when you can divide it into 100 million pieces? So this 21 million Bitcoin, there's not really 21 million. There's really more like 21 million times 100 million. So, I mean, and then there's, you know, different ways to divide this apparently as well. So, I mean, this Bitcoin scarcity argument is a very poor reason to own Bitcoin. If you want to own Bitcoin and you believe we're going to transact and that you believe it's going to be, you know, the, the money of the future, that's a different story. But if you're owning Bitcoin, just because you think it is scarce, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Bitcoin is not scarce. It can be divided up into little things like, um, you know, like Kevin Kelly was saying, you know, the big, you know, baseball cards, some of them are scarce too. And I'm like, yeah, well, cut your baseball card up into 100 million pieces and see what it's worth. So, I mean, when something is divisible to that extreme, it is not scarce. So this Bitcoin argument that Bitcoin is scarce is a very uninformed argument. Don't we have that though right now with fractionals on like stocks? Yeah, well, they, they divide those up too now, the fractional shares, but I've never seen them divide them into 100 million pieces there, Money Mitch. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm just wondering because I'm, I'm just trying to see like, I think 
the same would exist there with the market structures and fractionals. But a right? hundred million pieces. I mean, this is. I mean, seriously, yeah, it's more, it's more seriously divisible. higher, higher, and higher float there. But um, I, I'm just seeing it like that. And like, it, it, yeah, there's but there's still a finite amount. It's just more. It's just it's an insane number. That's what you're saying here. So my two points: one, I believe that Bitcoin is not scarce. Two, um, this arguments to go all in and mortgage your house and put everything in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that. this is scary. I know, and I know, and I've, you know, my my one friend at Bright Trading, he's got the cousin that literally mortgaged four houses to buy Bitcoin, and I'm like, holy man! I'm like, these are like what the horror stories of 1999 and or, or 2000, 2001, 2002 are made of. Maybe he's gonna be right, and maybe Bitcoin's going to a million, and maybe they're all gonna get rich. But what if it doesn't? Do you want to start over? So you want to own Bitcoin? I have no problem with you owning Bitcoin. I have a big problem if you're taking all of your money and mortgaging your house and putting it in there. I think you're going to regret that decision. But who knows? You know, like obviously the MSTR CEO, he may end up being right. And maybe Bitcoin is going to, you know, a million dollars. And MSTR is going to be the most valuable company in the world because of that. You know, I don't know. But I mean, right now, MSTR is getting punished. Yeah, severely again and that is yeah. because they're all in this was 1315 dollars. it's now 139 bucks it's down 90 percent from the highs and if you start seeing bitcoin fall under twenty thousand, those margin calls are coming that's uh, definitely something to keep on watch um the question i i would say is can they even make it to the next wave up on bitcoin and that's really the concern is that they might disappear before that next time right and so i think that um hey yeah when you get all levered up there. can you hold to those pullbacks mitch i mean this that's is that's what i'd be concerned about you know this is in the stocks as well you know what's the famous saying the market you know you you the market can stay irrational much longer than you can stay solvent and i've seen i mean that, and is the market me. even irrational <laughs> there's an argument there i mean maybe it is but we had a lot of excess and how do you value the thing i mean yeah I, like it's, i think i value a lot of those cryptocurrencies as zero I don't value Bitcoin as zero. I believe there is value. I've said that before. I have a little small piece, you know, in the one account there. Just, you know, I sold the majority of it. You know, I sold 95%, but I kept one little small piece, you know, and I've obviously, you know, I'm playing with complete houses money on that just in case, you know, it does go to a million. But I mean, to come in here and say, yeah, I'm going to buy a 22,000 because this is going to be back at 60,000 or 100,000 by the end of the year and make so much money. Just have your contingency plan because if this thing starts going, I believe Bitcoin can go to 10,000. I said this on the show when it was at 30 or 35. I think it can go to 10,000. It can, it can go anywhere. I mean, no, these projections are just throwing numbers at the wall because there's nothing of value. So, I mean, but there's just so much poor sentiment towards crypto. You have all these people caught bag holding everything. I mean, there's just Joel, the bag holder argument on, on crypto. <laughs> Market is, structure, you know, baby, on the way up, it's going to be a whole different market. And the, and when did those uh, ETFs come out? I mean, just to put a whole nother, yeah. oh, you know, just to bring a whole nother, you know, aspect. I don't even, I don't even look at those. I don't things. think they helped. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, think they no, helped. You're suckering. You're you're bringing in more investors into an asset class that's obviously, you know, it, it's made it easier to buy Bitcoin. Yeah. So definitely. I mean, that's the argument too. Is before you know. 10 years ago, we had these 90% pullbacks. The masses weren't in. The masses are in here now. Don't kid yourself. It's not like nobody's heard of Bitcoin. Everybody has heard of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. The masses are in. When you're, you go to your barber shop and your barber's telling you, you got to buy some of this Bitcoin, that's <laughs> usually the sign that you've got to sell. Usually when it gets to your barber 
or your hairdresser and they're giving you the hot stock tip, that is usually the one you sell. Taxi driver. So I think everybody uh, got in. We went from 10,000 to 60,000 in a matter of a few months. It was a crazy move. It was a crazy move. I have a very similar story. Uh, my uh, my wife's uh, best friend, uh, her like husband was ask, asking her like, oh, should I get into Bitcoin now? And then it was like two months ago. And I was like, you might want to just do a little bit more research, um, at least in the time that we're in. But let's go over to earnings. Let's get into Oracle. Let's get into real stocks. Let's go real into stocks. Yeah, let's real go to money. Oracle here. Oracle, not not too bad reporting after Monday's closing bell. Uh, of course, this came uh, abroad, a, a sell-off that we just had. The news was good. It actually sent Oracle shares up 9% here. Earnings per share were at $1.54 adjusted and beat the expectation of the EPS of $1.37. Revenue was at $11.84 billion, beating the expectations of revenues at $11.6 billion. And noted, of course, this came from their clouding computing uh, demand as we're seeing, of course, you know, uh, kind of at-home workers go back into the office, uh, but definitely Oracle's cloud demand increasing there. This is a real company making real money with real cash flows. I said on the show yesterday, I'd love it 60. if it got down to 60 yeah. to buy it. It was at 64. I wasn't buying it ahead of the report because that's obviously a coin flip. Um, and, you know, it would have been a good call. It's bounced up. Um, I think Oracle's a good company. I can't you know, they're on a bull market, though, so you don't want to buy it now after it's up 11% here this morning. So, I mean, this is, you know, there's a time and place, you know, but we're not buying rips in bull markets. We're buying dips. So, I mean, if you were buying it yesterday, congratulations. I'd sell it. I'd actually take the quick 11% and get out quickly because now you're right back up in all this, you know, supply overhead supply area there. But, you know, as much as, you know, I, I do think this is a company. That if you're buying it even at 71, you're holding it for five years. I do think you make money. I think you're going to get cheaper now, though, because obviously, you know, maybe we get like a double bottom. Maybe the market starts to get more ugly. Maybe we come back to 64, 65. It's been the kind of market where stocks rally on their good reports and then three days later they're back down. So I'm not chasing here because chasing has not worked in 2022. Yeah, you got some heavy lifting to do to get up to that pre-market high. Let's call it the after-hours high at 73.70. And then it's just been kind of a um, a slow leak. People taking profits that, you know, bought it over the – really over the last three days. Depends when you bought it on that third day. So they're getting out for a scratch. Uh, what was, there was a chart yesterday that it hit the pre-market high and it kind of had a similar pattern. Uh, I think it was Bluebird Bio. We never even got to that yeah, yesterday. Uh, but, you know, you had this, you, when you have, you hit an excessive level and then you just kind of hang in there in the pre-market, like around the support area. If you lose that support, that's what happened. So I'm just going to go with, I know they're totally unrelated companies here, but if it holds 71, 71 and a quarter here, then you can challenge some of your daily highs and you can see them at 72 and then a little bit higher in the 72 handle under 71. Where do you go with this stock? You know, I, I don't, I, I know like Jeremy has oh, yeah. ways to buy, you know, buy stocks on, on gap ups like this. I don't have it. So uh, important to hold 71 and a quarter. Yeah. I think a good company. I just think this is not the market like that bluebird bio report. And I'm a bag holder in bluebird bio. Long-term account, been an awful stock. We know I bought it because Kite got taken over. Another one taken over, I thought Bluebird, and it's just slowly been death by a thousand cuts, and that's just been a biggest you know, bag holder. I think it's the stock that I'm down the most in. Um, and even when they come out with good news, good drug, and 
you know, they, they, they actually was great news that this market just can't hold games. This market just sells first, ask questions later. They don't care, you know, that the drug's good. They don't care that, you know, trials, they don't care, you know, about Oracle's, you know, good earnings. They'll start to probably leak that too. I mean, this market is just so many money managers that are in trouble and looking to raise cash that every time they've got a stock that rallies, they come in and they start selling. And that's retail too. Retail has been hammered on this recent sell-off. You know, if you didn't get hammered the first time, this last three days has really hammered them. So anybody's holding it is looking for stocks that, you know, because they don't like taking losers. So if it pops up, they're going to sell. So, I mean, that's just the mentality of this market. Should they sell the Oracle report? Probably not, but that seems to be what happens. Definitely something to keep on watch. We'll see what happens with Oracle towards the bell. Let's go ahead. Let's keep it going here. I got a lot of these kind of smaller headlines here. They're not moving the stock too much, but let's go ahead. Let's start rolling through some of these. Let's get into Disney. Disney Town and Shanghai Disneyland Hotel will resume operation in June 16. So it looks like they're starting to relieve some of the restrictions from uh, Disney Town and Disneyland. So this the park itself isn't open yet. And so my question is, I mean, how many people are going to be going to the hotel if the park's not open? But definitely still struggling here, Disney. Yeah, and this is just a victim of the overall market as well. I mean, this is what we're in. I mean, if we are going in a recession, people might cancel the Disney World trip. This all I've been dead wrong on this. I've felt that there's been value. You know, I started buying early. My average cost base is like 118 on this thing. I'm $96. I do believe if I hold Disney for the next decade, I believe I'm going to make money. Um, Bluebird Bio, I'm not going to make money. I'm going to eventually sell that and lose on that. But the Disney... Um, you know, I do believe eventually this one's coming back. It's one of the biggest positions in my long-term portfolio. Dead wrong about it. Dead wrong. We're the only people. Wait, you're that on Twitter. You're wrong. on Twitter. You don't have losing trades, Dennis. Come on now. No, oh, I know you're not supposed to admit you're losers. I've been dead wrong on Disney all the way down here. I bought it three or four times, and every time it's just been cut. It makes new lows. So I mean, it's hard to buy stocks. You know, um, Brian Shannon, great on follow on Twitter. He's like, don't buy stocks in downtrends. Is a great, that's great advice. Honestly, it is. Um, you know, I've got the value thing and, you know, you try to be a hero, but, you know, the stock has been, you know, trending down, down, down. There's really no reason. There's really no reason to buy a lot of stocks here at all, which is probably why the market has so much trouble. I mean, yes, there's value in some stocks. And yes, you know, I do believe Disney eventually will figure it out. I do believe they're going to be a huge player in the metaverse. I do believe that they're going to eventually reinstate their dividend. I do believe there's good news coming. But we're going to a recession. This Disney stock can go lower. All right, let's keep it going. You guys just kind of mentioned, what about the bots and Twitter and, and, and things like that? I did see some Twitter mentions on out there. Twitter rising about 2.7% uh, following news that Elon Musk will be attending an all-hands employee meeting on Thursday. Also mentions out there uh, right now are that the, the EU policy is kind of looking at stocks like, let's say, Google, Twitter, uh, the different social apps to kind of keep on watch of the bots um, so they're supposedly going to get fined if they don't report in a certain manner. So this is also just kind of increasing more and more, I think, the possibility of Elon Musk getting maybe a true answer from Twitter on the bots. We'll see what happens there. It's just a binary event. I mean, the best case scenario is 5440 or whatever. Is it is. What is 5440? No, 5420 because of the 420 thing. Which is yep. Ridiculous in <laughs> itself. So 5420. It's the best case scenario. The likely scenario, I think, is that it's going to be a discounted deal where, you know, okay, well, we'll make a deal, but you're still going to buy it. 
The worst case scenario is Musk gets out of this deal, pays his breakup fee, or you know gets out of the deal without paying the breakup fee. And in that scenario, where Twitter, don't think about like it was $37 for this deal. You look at Snapchat, where it is now. You look at Pinterest, where it is now. There's an argument to be made that if this deal falls apart or if Musk finds a way out, I think Twitter is not only a $25 stock, I think it's a $20 stock. So I think there's 17, and I keep moving that price down because the market keeps going down. But Twitter is being held up because of the risk garbs right now. If that deal falls apart, I think Twitter is 20 bucks. So I think there's 17 points down in the event that Musk gets out of the deal. There's about, you know, what is that, 13, about 17 points of upside. So right at this point in time, it's a coin flip. What's going to happen? You know, they're going to go to courts. Is it going to get in court? There's time value money to consider here too. Obviously, time value money was never in consideration two years ago. Both inflation clocking over eight percent and interest rates climbing—that's a consideration here as well. I'm out. I'm not getting near it. It's too much. All right, too much Dennis, go, Dennis. Go wide. Go, go wide, baby. Go, go wide, baby. That's too late. It's five seconds. Go wide, baby. Go wide. All right, five well, seconds well. only gave me on that. That wasn't a head up. Heads up. That that's I, I not five seconds too early, oh. man. <laughs> All right, we'll see right wide. here. There we go. Uh, I'll let Dennis go ahead and do his thing in the background. We're watching here the numbers here. Uh, let's see how it hits the tape and looks like we're getting a little bit of a movement before there. There you go. Let's see what happens here. I don't see it hitting the tape just yet. I'll be looking for it. Uh, let me know if Joel, if you see it there. Looking to see what we get here. Of course, uh, the numbers that were expected was a 0.8 from April and a 10.9 over the 12 months. Let's see what we get here. All right, there we go. We're getting uh, May 8.3 versus 8.6. The prior was 8.8 there. Uh, So year over year, let me go ahead and throw that up here so you guys can see that. I'll throw it up on a banner here. There's the core, the core coming on in here at May at 8.3 there uh, versus the 8.6. Jumped the gun. I went to the one minute. They jumped it ahead of time. And uh, now I'm back. It's uh, it's in line. I mean, that's The market's really looking for any kind of good news here. So we're getting a little bit of a pop, and we're actually kind of holding in here. So the jump, the gunners, or the co-locators uh, took it up to 75 and a quarter. And uh, it, look, it looks like, a, you know, a decent number. I mean, the, the uh, food and energy, 0.5 versus 0.6. So a market looking for a little bit of good news, uh, you're getting it. Uh, the question is, is uh, will, will the rally be able to hold? And uh, as we speak right now, uh, it's moving up a little bit. We've moved up. Uh, when we start this bracket? We started at 64. So little bit of a rally. I mean, what else can I say? Mid-range on the session, that's what you really need to clear. That comes in at 81. We do that, who knows? Maybe those uh, those buyers overnight were um, anticipating correctly. There is uh, trying to get through 75 and uh, PPI. Helping us out, being our friend as opposed to the CPI. Yeah, it looks like my the estimates that I had on the other one were a little bit different than I have here on these numbers. But the estimate here was 0.6, May 0.5 there. So off by 0.1 uh, prior was 0.4. So it still went up uh, month over month, uh, but it beat the expectations by 0.1 there. 
Um, I think, you know, this, this isn't too much here. Uh, to me, it's just falling off by like a point one. We'll see what happens there and see if we actually get a reaction that continues. Um, right now, it looks like, you know, stocks are getting a little bit of a bounce. So we'll see if this can continue. Um, in a second, we'll be getting into it with in our interview with Miss Schneider. And if you guys stay tuned for that, looks like we're getting on up there. It's continued green. Let's see if we can yeah, continue Bank green the open I'm just trying to look at the stocks, you know, Bank yeah, America not really moving off it. Uh, JP Morgan, you know, looking at the bank stocks, this is a, could mean something for interest rates. Nah, Bank um, nah, I'm trying to see what they actually bought here. Um I don't know. Did Tech move off at all? Did Apple get a little a little move off this? Uh, it seems like they just bought the indexes here pretty much. I'm trying to get a feel. Now ah, Apple got a little pop and a little fade. Let's check uh let's check Microsoft. Um, same kind of thing, you know, just a little pop and a little fade. So right now, so far, so good. Uh we'll see what uh triple D because I'm looking at the, my stocks here, my big stocks, and they're they're not flashing, they're not moving up. So I think you kind of have just uh people are kind of shell-shocked after the last couple of days and uh a little bit tapping here going out and lifting offers off uh off one number. This I don't know what this does to the three quarters uh, you know versus the half argument. Doesn't um, do anything. Uh, no. I don't yeah, that's so. what I felt. It didn't do it's much just, there. It, it's getting a little bit of a lift. The number wasn't that bad, but this isn't going to change the feds. You know, I don't even think they're going to consider this. So I think you're still looking. I think you're looking at 75 basis points. You got a little bit of a lift here. We're going to chop around. I mean, we have a lot of air everywhere, and we have to consider that. I mean, in three days ago, we were at 410 on SPY. So you're talking yeah. about. You know, this is an incredible 10% fall in three days, Joel. I mean, yeah. this is this is this is the spy. This isn't like some stock. They literally the S and P's have fallen 10% in three days. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's right? right. It was like nine point something, but yeah, you, yeah, yeah I 25, think you're right. 35. Holy, that's like it's an impressive sell-off. So you're gonna chop around, you know. I do think as you rally significantly, I think you gotta be selling into the rallies. Because I think there's more pain ahead. I don't think we've seen the lows on the S&P. We broke down new lows. Nothing is easy for the shorts. Everybody thinks the short stocks make money. It's never easy. Never easy on the shorts. They'll rip them higher. They'll, they'll shake you out. And then they'll take them down afterwards. So it's never that easy. So um, so yeah, we're getting a little bit of a rally here. but And I don't know where it stops or anything like that. But maybe yesterday's high is a good stopping point. I don't think you're getting there at 381. It's a long way away. Oh, yes. 40 oh, higher. Man. Well, the, uh, the Globex high is way above that. FedEx, is, uh, uh, yeah. big move here in FedEx, just to talk this right now. Um, they're increasing the quarter dividend. dividend. Looks like they're doing a whole bunch of things here. Mitch, if you want to grab it from the pro. Yeah, can go ahead and grab that. Uh, oh, congestion like here at 220, folks. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I'm just looking real quick. What jumps out at me right away is uh, these three daily highs at uh, 220. Everyone, 220 to 222. Everyone getting their money back from uh, that big decline. We'll see if that area holds. I see. Uh, cool. Can you believe how crazy these algos are? I mean, it's good. Dividends up and everything. But where do they just buy this? They just buy to 220. 222. I don't think it's going to go above that today. 221. Right. 229.95. You sell rips into this market. You sell. This is, you know, what I'm doing, anyways. I think this is the this is what you should be doing is selling rips in, in this market. 
it gets right up in all that congestion, Joel, like you just yeah, pointed out. They're stupid enough to buy it in all that congestion. Somebody's stupid enough to buy it in all that congestion after just rally 10%, they deserve to lose money. So <laughs> use your charts. They're the tools in your toolbox. But I mean, chasing in this environment has been punished. Now, is FedEx going to be up today? Yeah. But 22 points right there. I think you get back up there again. I think you use that as a selling opportunity. I think it's going to have trouble getting to 226, 225, 226, 227. So like 217, maybe you can get up there again, but hard to chase stocks. Get man. your money back. I mean, instantly. You got your money back yeah. for three days of pain, of absolute torture and pain. Uh, yeah, and they I, give it all back to you just like that. It's all right, the I see Mish in the background do here. Not hold. Let's, uh, let's bring on Mish. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get towards that. Um, of course, uh, you know, sometimes we'll have some breaking news, but let's go to it. Let's get on Mish here. Uh, let me get her banner ready here. Mish Snyder, Managing Director of Market Gauge. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Right. Good morning. Let's get so it started. Just, uh, yeah, just off, uh, just off the top here, the PPI data. Uh, the Fed, it's been a while since we had, had done. We can talk about the modern family in a little bit, but uh, yeah. just give us uh, your quick appraisal here of uh, the recent data, the market reaction, the Fed. What are you looking at, Mish? Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, there's so much to unpack. So if we just start with the inflation numbers with the CPI last week and the PPI today, we have to remember that it excludes food and energy for the most part. And so that to me makes it very questionable in terms of how valid the numbers are. In fact, I know that the numbers on the CPI are often arbitrary in that they'll do something like ask a survey of people. If you were to rent your house right now, what would you rent it for? And that's what they base their number on, even though rentals we know are up like 15, 20% over the course of the last year. So <clears throat> I think the bigger takeaway is we all know there's inflation. And we all know that the inflation, where people focused on a lot of the industrial metals and the car market and the housing market, they may have plateaued to a, great, to a degree. And I'm going to hold off my prediction on where they go. But let's say they've plateaued. Historically, even in the 70s, those areas, including lumber and copper, they plateaued. But food and oil, I have, do not believe, have peaked. And so I think that's really where the trouble is going to come from uh, down the road, is as food prices continue to escalate and as uh, oil prices continue to escalate. And the last thing I'm gonna say about that, and we could talk about the impact on the market in the, after, but um, <clears throat> is that this inflation is different than other inflationary periods. This inflation is based on supply side and war inflation. And I think those are two things that people sort of don't put in their heads. Supply side inflation is not supply chain 
There's a difference. Supply side means literally that there is a problem with supply. So even if demand goes down to a degree, there are two things you cannot really ever go down too much in demand. And of course, that's oil, at least not at this point in time, and certainly not food. And war inflation with Ukraine really basically wreaks havoc on both of those areas. So that's that's kind of the umbrella that we're sitting under right now. Okay. All right. So, so moving forward, I mean, the classifications here of, of a, of a bear market and the characteristics, even though we've had a bear market and a lot of stocks for a long time here, uh, you know, you're in your terms and your technical terms. I mean, where, where are we at? Do you have some projections for the S and P's? Do you want to, do you want to go into the modern family? Is there, is there any, uh, is there any turbulence in the modern family? Is, uh, is everyone getting along? Is anyone behaving well or not? Well, actually, can, are we sharing screens? Yes. Go oh, right ahead. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cause I wanted to show you this. Um, in my modern family, hold on, um, should be on the bottom there. And all right, hold on. I wanted to get in there first and now let me go back to where you guys were. Where's my little, where is my, okay. Uh, So now that I'm back. So let me go share. And why is it not giving me any options on where to share? Hmm. We'll get Money Mitch on here. There should share be screen. a plus button down at the bottom there. Okay. Share screen. And what I want to do is, all right, I see what I have to do is I'm going to, I'm going to change that. I'm sorry. Let me just change that to my. Um, no worries. You let us know when you're ready. Ready. Meanwhile, meanwhile ready? the market is, is ripping. We are, uh, we are now well, gained by PPR 31 and a half handles here at uh, 37.85 and a half. So they are liking the data here. Uh, now moving up uh, over mid-range on the session at 81. So you all set, Mish? I'm all set. So okay, you can take see, it away. This is Well, this is six members of the economic modern family. Bitcoin would actually be our seventh member that we added a while ago. You're not ago. kicking it out of the family? No, I'm keeping it in the family because right now it's so interesting. So here's what I love about this. So, you know, we were, I I don't know when was last time I was on the show, but I've been on lots of media, as you know. And I saw back in October, November, that we had that big run up in both the retail ETF and in the IWM, the Russell 2000, and immediately broke down before the SPY and the Qs did. So as far as we were concerned, the market already was showing stress and signs of a top. As soon as it had broken out of the range and then collapsed under that range. We were like, okay, this is bad. And at the same time, you can see that biotech had already been breaking down. And of course, typical to semiconductors, there seemed to be the last to get the message. And the same thing with transportation, because it was right at the time where people still had somewhat of a hope that not only were we going to come back strong from COVID, but there'd be some kind of you know infrastructure spending. And then, of course, KRE was also kind of a last to get the clue because people were thinking, oh, higher interest rates that are coming are going to be good for the banking system. So that's the history here. So now where are we are right now is since then, of course, you can see IWM has broken not only the 50 week, but also now as of yesterday, it was the 200 week. What's interesting to me is the biotech because this low right here, which is at around 105.97-ish, I think if that's respected, we could actually even start thinking about a double bottom if we get through 110. 
And I would not be surprised because in 2009, biotech was the first one to bottom. Semiconductors is sort of in middle and nowhere here. It's probably one of the least interesting areas to me because of uh, not only the fact that obviously big tech is going to have a big, big response continuing to the higher rates, but also there's still the China-Taiwan situation sitting out there. And IYT broke down, but we can see what happens here by the end of the week. So let's, to me, look at this one. This is the most interesting to me right now, because the whole basis on the pinch of inflation and the food and the oil inflation has been on the consumer, obviously, and consumer confidence, as you know, fell to record lows last week. But what's so interesting to me is that our little old granny retail, and of course, a lot of this is this has staples in the ETF, but it also has some discretionary in there as well, and obviously e-commerce in there as well, landed on the 200-week moving average yesterday. So what that tells me is that this is in a situation right now where if this can hold as we get through, we, well, we just got through PPI, as we get through the Fed, and everybody's looking for this uh, 75 basis points, I may be in the minority here to think that they may only go with 50 basis points because basically that's what they said they were going to do. And one thing I have found about this Fed is that you kind of can take them for face value. Um, and even though now they're, of course, with egg on their face about inflation, um, they said that they were going to raise multiple times. They didn't say they were going to raise by 75 basis points multiple times. They said they were going to raise by 50 basis points. So that's the only thing. Would I be shocked if it's 75? No. Would I, you know, would I, do I think the market's sort of half expecting that? Yeah. But I actually think that could be a surprise. And that supports one thing you asked me about what my overall feeling is the market is, is this is kind of typical of a stagflation environment right here in that we get into a bottom, we get into a trading range. I heard, uh, I think Mitch, was it you said who, that you want to sell rips? That's absolutely correct in a trading range, but you also want to buy extreme dips. And this could be an extreme dip that we buy with a somewhat of a rally, that would be an opportunity to sell. So if we just look at XRT, and it could be that the Fed only does 50 basis points. And, uh, you know, we wake up on what well, happens after Wednesday, we can see wake up Thursday morning and we get some kind of gap. Do I think that this can go back up to 70? Yeah. Best case scenario would be 80. I doubt that happens. I would say if this can hold, and XRT can lead this market because let's face it, consumers are still, even though their confidence is down, there's still a hopefulness that we're going to get through this and things are going to get cheaper. That's where we can go. So that's kind of my thing is watch XRT. I think right now it's the most important member of the family more than anybody else except for Bitcoin. And if it holds this 200-week moving average, there's a bounce coming. How big the bounce? 70, 75 maybe, but that doesn't mean bull market. It just means bear market rally and another opportunity probably at some point when the new inflation numbers come out next month or food continues to go up or gas continues to go up. Then we start going into another slide and then we can see what happens back at that 200 week. Does that make sense? It sure does. It sure does. So you think the market, so you're looking for a half and you think the market is, uh, is going to react uh, potentially positive to that. I mean, as always, like when 
you know, people come around with the, like their year-end predictions and things like that. I mean, I just try and, you know, take it day by day. I mean, is that, you know, is that low from yesterday, 40 handles off it? Is that a major low? Well, it's got to hold one day. It's got to hold two days. And then we got to get back over the former uh, former low of the move at 38.10. It's just uh, in incremental. But you said Bitcoin's really interesting to you. What, what What's interesting? You, you, are Let you shorted? You. Yeah. What, what no, you- I have, we've been absolutely flat. We okay. have not traded any of the uh, cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin in quite some time. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I'll put you in the right. background for a second so you can fix that up. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Putting it up. I move fast, guys. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I just want to make a point to what Joel, you just said. The difference between you and me and many others, but really the bulk of the people or the herd mentality people is you and I are traders. We've been trading forever. And this is really a trader's market if you know what you're doing and if you're patient. And right, if you just say, well, this point looks like a good risk point and I'm going to be able to get a a pop from here. And if the pop is great, you start taking profit. If the pop sucks a turn, you get the heck out and that's the end of it. That's the only way to make money right now, I think, in this market for the whole probably maybe for years to come. It's these buy and hold passive investors that are really finding out that, I mean, I don't even think they're finding out. Actually, I I take that back. I think they're still drinking the Kool-Aid that these big companies with the great balance sheets can only do well. And if you just hang out there, eventually you'll be right. But I think if you're long Apple, let's say at 185, and now it's trading at around 130, 135, Maybe it can go to 150 and it could sit between like 125 and 150 for years. Yeah. It could take years for those people to get to break even, let alone make money. Right. So, yeah, I, I've been really, really, really trying to speak to anybody who will listen. That's a passive investor who's told by their financial planners, you only lose when you sell. Just hang tight. This will be over in a few months. That's the, that's what everybody thinks. And that's, that was built. I mean, we've had a 10 year raging bull market too, where if you've started the markets in the last 10 years, you know, yeah, we had the COVID thing where the stocks went down really fast, but they came right back. So everybody who bought that dip was rewarded too, but we've relentlessly rewarded the dip buyers for a decade here. And maybe times are different now. Well, they are different because one of the reasons why these people were rewarded was because we had a dovish fed. We had accommodation since really 2008 and even kind of before that. Mm -hmm. When you go back to the dot-com bubble, you know, the Fed has come in to save the day every time. And that's not what they're going to do right now. Um, And it could be for years to come until things get more stabilized or valuations get to a more sane place. Valuations, P.E. ratios went to all-time highs. Money supply, as you know, went to all-time highs. The... Uh, spread, the ratio between commodities and equities went to all-time lows. And so that's why I still think we're in a super cycle of commodities. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we can't see rallies and be in this range. If you go back to the 70s, you see exactly that's what's happened. And us nimble traders could make some money. But investors, if they don't get creative, they're in for a pretty hard time. Now, let's just take a look at Bitcoin because Bitcoin has that same 200 week moving average here. You can see that. Yep. Bitcoin's really important, especially if you look at it in tandem with retail, because basically 
the retail investor has been buying Bitcoin along the way. Number one, obviously, they've had to have some massive liquidation. There's talk that MicroStrategy at some point will puke. And of course, that wouldn't be good for the market. But at this point right now, if XRT can hold and Bitcoin can close above its 200 week, which is just slightly above here at around 22.3, 22.4. And I say weekly close. Today's only Tuesday. Then it's also possible that that too can get a relief rally maybe to 27, maybe to 29, maybe even to 30. Again, that doesn't mean I think Bitcoin will go up and make new highs, but you got to be aware of these ranges and play them intelligently. Love it. Love it there. Definitely played intelligently. I'll repeat it there. Thank you, Ms. Snyder, joining us here. Managing Director at Market Gauge. I appreciated showing the family and we'll keep an eye on that modern family. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks Mish. Talk to you again soon. Well, uh, we had a little bit of a rally there. Uh, got over mid-range only, yeah, yeah only temporarily uh, back down. Uh, kind of where we uh, started from, but where that number was. I mean, can, can I call an inside day triple? I think you pulled it down there for a second there. All right, bring it back up. Bring it back. Bring it back. I think you can call. I think you're right, Joel. I think inside they were right in the middle of yesterday's range. I mean, we've had three days of relentless selling, so there's going to be a little bit of the buy the dip mentality come and try to like you know come in here. We get a little bit of rally overnight coming back in. I think chop. I think we're going to be very choppy. I don't think we're rallying right back to 385 S and P. I don't think we're crashing and having the fourth down day of like you know we've had three heavy down days here. So I think it's like time for the market to maybe pause. Take, take a, a breather. Breath. I think inside days the call. Take a breather before the FOMC meeting, right? That's it. it. Seems- and again, we have another event, another market moving event. And I don't even know how they respond. I know Misha's saying they might go 50 and they might go 75. I mean, obviously consensus now they go 75. But let's just throw out the scenarios. They go 50. Does the market rally on that? Or does the market say, oh, my God, you don't have any guts. We're never going to beat this inflation problem. So or, I'm not even sure we rally if we go 50, which is what crazy it, to think. You know, you'd they logically go full think, point. well, they go 50 instead of 75, we're going to rip. But I don't know. It's is a type of market that I'm not even sure if I had the, their paper in front of me, I'd know how to trade it right now. Uh, I say they, they're in a tough spot here. Um, I don't think they're... Either I way, so, I mean, Mitch. what if they went up higher than that 75 basis points? What if they went to 100 basis points? Um, That's I mean, not happening. There's no <laughs> way they're going to go 100. I, I, I That's mean, what I've, Kramer wants. Kramer I've heard mentions out there. You know, I remember with. when I first started bringing in the 75 points, and everyone looked at me crazy. I mean, who knows if we're leaning towards that one point? No, 100. They're not going 100 tomorrow. Maybe they said it's in the cards for the future, but they're not going 100 tomorrow. But how, yeah, I do agree that you kind of keep on watch to see what happens if 50 does show up. Because I, I think, think they're that, going 75. I think the data is there to go 75. I think nice. if they go 50, I'm not even sure we rally off of it. So I, I think the market's expecting 75. Maybe you just go with what the market is expecting now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get crazy and go 100. You don't go 50 and say that you're not tough enough to beat inflation. You're probably going 75. So I think it goes 75. I don't know what the market's response to any of it is, though. This is a tough market to call here. Like, it's a tough market to call the next minute, Joel, let alone the next little, day yeah, or two days. Today, I think it's going to be chop. I think your fading moves today. I think you're going to see a lot of chop. Um, tomorrow, after the FOMC meeting, it could go anywhere. 
Well, we'll have uh, our man Blue on tomorrow, Blue Putnam. And uh, boy, oh boy, Dennis, when we talked to him and you asked the question about how long does it take for the, you know, for the data, you know, for the interest rates. And he was not optimistic about that. He thought that, that interest mid, rates could yeah. take nine months to, to get the interest rates really bringing down the inflation. And that's I when I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and then we've mm -hmm. had two reports since then, and both have been hot still. So he's been right. Blue's been right. Yeah. Those interest rates go up, but it takes a while to kill the spend. It takes a while to kill the demand. And that's what they're trying to do. Uh, it's going to happen. Don't kid yourself. If you keep raising rates, eventually demand destruction does occur, and the Fed is doing that. But as much as the Fed, to Misha's point, was behind this market for the last decade and even further, yeah. this Fed is now fighting this market. And that is not good news if you're long stocks. Yeah, and it's always one thing to remember is that the Fed tries to be data dependent. And until the data changes, they're going to probably be behind the ball, or some people at least will say so. Um, another thing that I did see out there, just to kind of change it on up, talk about something else here, four minutes before 9 a.m. here. Um, I did see automakers putting out a request there, um, CEOs, GM, Ford, and other automakers urging Congress to lift 7,500 uh, electric vehicle tax credit cap. So pretty much, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're, they're referring this a little bit to the inflation that's out there. And they're like, well, we're going to need a little bit more help to kind of get these EVs out of here. So if you could help us out by maybe increasing this credit cap, um, maybe we can start getting these these vehicles to actually start rolling here. The automotives um, are in a world of pain. And yes, GM and Ford are going to be big EV players and it's going to be a help down the road. But right now, there is nobody buying, very few people excited to go out and buy a new car. There's yeah. very few people to do that. One, they don't have the, a lot of people don't have the money to do it. Two, is the prices are insane. They, mm -hmm. As much as you can pass through and put costs on food, you know, certain things like, you know, you can't pass it through on cars and people just will buy less. You know, they're driving, not buying a new car every three years. The financing. I mean, we were spoiled with 0% financing. These yeah. automotive companies, I should say, have been spoiled with 0% financing for a long time. The financing on some of these cars is 7, 8% now. I'm not joking. Ouch. It's insane. So, I mean, you start just adding all that up. Oh, yeah, your car is 50% more and we're not doing 0% for you. We're going to do, you know, 7% or 6%, 7% financing on you. And we're not going to give you any discount on the sticker price because of supply issues here. So you're going to have to pay the sticker price as well. Well, I, you know what I say? I'll drive my car another year. And a lot of people are saying that's why you're seeing the automotive stocks just continue to get pummeled. I don't know where it stops. There is value here. I do agree. I just don't know how. You're, the demand destruction is already occurring in the automotives, and it's not going away anytime soon. Definitely agree. And um, one of the things that I'll put out a warning flag on out there is for companies like Fisker that are supposedly to release their vehicle in November this year. So um, just be careful on out there. Um, who knows? I, I still like the Fisker story. I yeah. still think there's a story here, but yeah. I'm not buying. I don't want to own automotive companies right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's a story here. Funny. I think Fisker is not a zero. I think a lot of these EV companies are zeros. I think Fisker with the Magna deal, I think they're going to be in production. You're going to see these cars on the road. I think they are going to be a player in EV. The cars look pretty cool. It's got a good name. I do believe Henrik Fisker is a smart person, very smart. Um, the stock is, you know, I, I, the one thing they're going to do is probably another offering is a problem, you know, like they're going to have to raise more capital. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that's holding them back. 
If you bought it at $8, you're going to make money. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, I don't know where the market cap is on this thing. $3 billion now, $2 billion. I haven't even looked at it for a while. I haven't owned it for a while. I do want to get eventually back into Fisker. I don't want to be early on this trade, though, because you could be early, and this thing could be at 4 bucks on you, and then it goes to 6 and you're like, you bought it at 8 and that's no good at all. So I don't want to be early here. I do believe that Fisker is not a zero, though. All right, it's 9 a.m., and I'll sneak in one more there. Joel's probably getting on out of here. You guys know where Joel will be at, pre-market prep plus. If you guys want to go through some tickers, definitely join Joel Alconin on there. Uh, but Rivian released today that they could be facing setbacks in its R1S SUV that was launched oh. in December. Uh, the delivery schedules for the R1S have been pushed back from anywhere between one month to nine months, said Auto Evolution, said, uh, citing a, a letter that uh, Rivian sent to the reservation holders and information shared amongst four members. So a continued struggle out there. Even when they want to get the cars out, they're, they're not being able to get them out, it seems like. I mean, you got to look at market caps. You got to do more homework and don't look at the chart and say, oh, this stock was $160 stock and eventually it's going back there. What's the market cap of Rivian? It's still $25 billion and they are basically an EV startup here. That's a lot of money. Fisker in comparison, you know, its market cap right now at $8 (laughs) is worth only $2 billion. So you're saying Rivian 10 times more. I mean... I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you think you just one. real quick, and I'm gonna hop. Just if you if you think you missed the low of lows here under 20 bucks, so you're getting a little bit of reprieve here. Maybe you can look at this 25 and a half, 26 area. It doesn't really seem to be moving off this news. But uh, all right, good job, guys. I'm gonna check out. I'll, I'll catch you guys later on. All right, guys, like always, and uh, just kind of mention what Dennis said there, uh, just to kind of Rivian's at 25.5, but also don't forget Lucid's at 29.8. So, uh, that's crazy be valuations one. for EV companies, EV startups. These are startups still. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going to have real, real cars and yeah, they're going to get production out there, but these are big ticket prices you're paying for these. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not Tesla. This is, you know, maybe eventually they can grow into something bigger, but this is not Elon Musk. So I think when you got to look, you got to look at those market caps. I think $29 billion for, you know, these companies that are just getting started. It's a lot of money to pay in this environment when an environment where they want stocks like Oracle that make money. So that's, you know, the consideration here is you you could have had this lucid story and we've been right. We've been bearish lucid and Rivian forever on this show. If you've listened to the show, you know, we've been saying stay away from these stocks. Does it eventually have a date back with the SPAC price of $10 Lucid? I think so. I think Lucid could eventually be back at the $10 SPAC price. It probably bounces there because that seems to be like on these old SPACs where they bounce the first time. So I think if it got down to 10, I think there'd be a trading opportunity there. It's come down a long ways, but I'm not that excited to just jump in here Lucid at this valuation and say, oh, the stock's cheap because it's off from, you know, where it was trading, you know, back in, in, you know, November when the stock shouldn't have been trading there in the first place. We'll see what happens with these EVs and see if for any reason they get an increase in that EV credit to try to help them get some of these vehicles on out. We'll see you tomorrow, Dennis. Like always, keep battling on through. We're trying, man. Going, man. The only way. All right, guys, that's going to do it for pre-market prep, the number one morning show. But do me a favor, guys. If you guys enjoyed seeing uh, Ms. Schneider on today and us going through the numbers live here, 
hit the thumbs on up. That's how you support us. And we continue doing this every single day live for free. That's what we want to continue doing right here on Benzinga's uh, pre-market prep, guys. is always going to be on for you guys, but you guys support them by hitting that thumbs on up and sharing it with friends so that we get more people in here. Looks like we had over 2,000 people in here today. We want to grow this up to about 4,000. Let's get it out there to our friends. So definitely hit the share button down below and the subscribe button. Up next, you guys got live trading with, of course, none other than Zunaid, Lord Ryan, and Money Mitch. We'll get into some live trading action. We'll cover stocks like Redbox. We'll uh, touch a little bit of Disney out there, American Airlines, whatever's moving. If you guys want to go ahead and talk about it, come on over there to live trading. I'll see you guys as we continue through. And don't miss my new show. It's been on now. We've had about two shows now. Stock Market Movers, that's at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll have two great guests on, like always, every single show. And let's keep it going right here on Benzinga. And don't stop, guys. Keep working on your trading on out there. And like always, understand that it's, sometimes it's okay just to kind of kind of hold off and watch the markets react in, in, a, in a manner that you don't need to trade every single day to be into the green. I know a lot of traders get this kind of stuck in their mentality. They just need to trade every day. It's okay to kind of watch, especially on a day like today where you don't know if you're going down to continuing or if you're going to get a little bit of a relief rally. Right now, let's take a look, quick look at the SPY. Where are we at? Looks like we're coming on up right now. We're at 377.44. We'll see if it gets to 379 and gets above the 380 level today. Let's go. Let's keep it going and sound that alarm. Pre-market prep. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.